0: Welcome, and thank you for joining me for another episode. I am Stefan Van Norden, and this is Nature Revisited. On this edition, I am talking with James Fopel, urban ecologist. James lives in St. Louis, Missouri, and is very much involved with the promotion of native plants and plant restoration. James works at the Litzinger Road Ecology Center, which is operated by the Missouri Botanical Gardens. The Midwest has long been in the forefront of the native plant movement, and for years, the prairie flora has been slowly making its way into our gardens, such as the Highline in New York and the Lurie Garden in Chicago. I have been wanting to learn more from those involved in this movement. So when I saw James's Instagram handle, Urban Ecologist, and learned that he was from St. Louis, I was most interested in talking with him.
1: Let's talk about the public gardens in St. Louis a little bit.
2: So we actually have quite a few Uh, They're not as well known as like the Lurie in Chicago or the High Line or uh, Central Park in New York, Uh, but here in St. Louis, probably the premier uh, park is Forest Park, and uh, one of the organizations that's involved with Forest Park is Forest Park Forever, and they do a great job. They have some prairie restorations on site, native plant gardens, as well as some non-native plant gardens. Forest Park is actually bigger than Central Park, probably the premier uh, place for people to go. It's where our St. Louis Zoo is at, where the Art Museum is, the History Museum, as well as that, we have Missouri Botanical Garden is a a great garden to go visit, one of the best in the country and the world. Uh, Shaw Nature Reserve has the Whitmire Wildflower Garden in it, uh, which is a premier native plant garden in the Midwest. Uh, Also in the middle of downtown, right near the Arch, if you're familiar with uh, the Arch National Park, but right down the road from there is the City Garden. Nice little uh, spot right amongst all of the skyscrapers where I've actually uh, come across some really nice uh, bees that you wouldn't think that would be in the middle of our city. Why did you choose the name Urban Ecologist? Uh, Since I'm focusing uh, my efforts more in an urban area, I really dislike the sound of urban ecologists knowing that there's not enough people doing outreach work in these environments. I just think that there needs to be more people doing research in our urban areas. Luckily here in St. Louis, we do have quite a lot of interest from local researchers starting to really turn their eye towards St. Louis. It's a pretty exciting time. Kind of what we've been going after is, you know, the fact that nature is slowly leaving the areas of the city and uh, harder for people to really see that. And I just really wanted to focus my efforts here locally, trying to educate people, sharing what I'm seeing happening, because I noticed so many people aren't in tune with it. What brought you to the Missouri Botanical Gardens? So I've been uh, living in St. Louis for all 38 years of my life. And My parents used to take me to the Botanical Gardens a lot when I was a kid, especially that going in the Climatron, which is the very large greenhouse they have there with lots of big tropical plants. It's a big geodesic dome. And My parents uh, also took me out hiking a lot, especially my dad. Uh, My dad was uh, a big outdoors person. One of the things uh, we had done is go out to Shaw Nature Reserve, a division of the Botanical Gardens. And went on a field trip there when I was in school, in elementary school, and I remember the trip uh, quite well. And just had a, a fond attachment to nature, even as a kid. My dad was a big fisherman, uh, as well as a hiker. When I was in high school, he was actually volunteering at the Botanical Gardens in the Japanese garden. He was bringing back a lot of the information he learned. He would teach me things, too, so I kind of uh, got passed down information from his time volunteering at the Botanical Gardens. I have uh, quite a lot of fond memories and uh, events that have happened uh, evolving the Botanical Gardens here, and I feel a lot of people probably in the St. Louis region uh, have a lot of connections. I uh, started out uh, right after high school working in construction, and I worked in construction for nine years. I decided I just didn't want to be stuck inside a building all, all day long doing construction work and wanted to do something meaningful and helping the world. Decided at that point in time to go back to school. It took me a while taking night classes, going through a horticulture program here in St. Louis, started working in the uh, nursery industry, and then went into landscape design and installation following that. Um, so what is your position at the at the Missouri Botanical Gardens? Uh, so I am the restoration ecology coordinator at the Litzinger Road Ecology Center, uh, helping restore the grounds. Ecology Center has been around for about 30 years. So uh, that was basically the start of the restoration process on site. Uh, and along with that, uh, the Lutzen Road Ecology Center is a educational site. Uh, it's not open to the public. We do just a lot of outreach to educate people on native plants. The main focus of the Ecology Center is teaching children. The education team there does a fantastic job of doing outdoor place-based education Te- you know, teaching kids and teachers how to better interact with the outdoors. I work with a lot of more adults and work with research students and local researchers doing research on site. So the botanical gardens are doing a lot of things to reach out to the community. The mission statement is to discover and share knowledge about plants and their environment in order to preserve and enrich life. And so me being a part of the education division, even though I have a horticulture background and doing restoration work, we do a lot of education, and I'm under the education branch. So the education division of the garden is working more locally on uh, educating the public on the importance of plants and in the environment.
1: What's the response of the community to the in St. Louis to the Botanical Gardens and, and their work?
2: They are very proud, kind of a cornerstone to the community, you know, just a lot of support even like during this time and during the pandemic uh, with the closures. Uh, So many people have so many fond memories of being at the Botanical Gardens, you know, whether they're just coming and visiting or coming for an event or taking classes or having the wedding there. So many people have so many fond memories.
1: What really drew me to you was the fact that you were in St. Louis, the West Coast and the East Coast get a lot of press. In the Midwest, it, it, obviously just talking with you, I, I get the sense that there's a lot going on in the Midwest that people don't know about and that
2: nature is everywhere. What I'm seeing here in St. Louis uh, looks very promising uh, in, in the Midwest in general in places even you know, like Chicago or Kansas City, Missouri, uh, and some of the other areas near me, that there are just so many people starting to, be, you know, become interested in native plants, and they're either out there volunteering their free time uh, for various organizations that are trying to help this along, or they've started their own organizations or their own native landscaping companies and and I'm just really excited by seeing uh, everybody else's excitement Uh, and the researchers that are coming out with so much more information. Why is it
1: important that we view cities as nature? Uh, A lot of people don't. A lot of people think, you know, nature is way out there in Wyoming someplace.
2: But St. Louis is nature. There is a big difference. Disconnected with people in urban areas with nature, it's very unfortunate. People of my age uh, are in a unique situation if they were paying attention to nature as they were growing up. They would have seen you know beautiful roadsides still with dogwoods and red buds blooming. If you talk to anybody in the, this uh, field of working with restoration, roadsides were a place to go and collect seed of native plants. It's not that same resource anymore. So many of our roadsides are now just invasive species. You just don't see that as much anymore. So this invasion of invasive plant material is depleting what used to be there. People nowadays are growing up thinking that this invasive plant material is probably, you know, native plants. Like that's supposed to be there. They're, You know, if they've not been told otherwise, they're just going to go about their day assuming that's what nature looks like. In urban areas, it's very important to reach out to people to educate them on this so they can see, you know, what they're losing.
1: So to follow up on that, so why are the native plants
2: so important? Native plants are very important in the sense that they are the beginning of the food web. And so for our local food webs, we need that native plant material there. Essentially, native plants are just the beginning of life. They absorb the sun's energy. They pass that energy on to the next stage of the food web. Uh, Most of the time, that is insects. Insects are food for those animals that do not eat plants. So they have to indirectly get their energy somewhere, and therefore they're eating typically larval stages of insects. Whether those insects were eating live plant material or dead plant material, they need those plants to begin with. And when all these invasive plants move in, they outcompete them, so we're not getting the native plants producing seed and having a seed bank left there. So even when people go through and remove invasive plants sometimes, native plants aren't there anymore. So a lot of work has to go into recreating these habitats for wildlife. The science behind why the use of native plants hasn't been around long enough for people to really, to where everybody's heard about it, I get ask that question all the time, what is a native plant, uh, more than you would think. It's uh, not not an easy task trying to get that word out there. And a lot of people are attached to using, uh, you know, these very traditional garden plants. You're trying to educate and try break through these traditions that people have uh, set in place, you know, from their grandparents' time. And in urban areas, we've removed so much uh, habitat to begin with and then brought in Uh, non-native plant material, that even if it wasn't invasive plant material, it was exotic plant material, your yard is then, you know, not really helping out your local ecologist. So, you know, trying to educate people on using native plant material is a bit of a struggle. You know, it's a bit of a hurdle to to get that point across.
1: So, do you think that there's a native landscape movement in, in the Midwest?
2: Oh, yes. Uh, here in Missouri, we have a lot of great uh, things happening, actually. It's one of the reasons that I kind of have, uh, you know, some hope. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, the uh, National Organization of Wild Ones. We have two chapters of that here. Uh tries to help get uh, chapters started throughout the country. Basically, just Native Plant Enthusiasts. So these are just people volunteering, trying to help spread the word of Native Plants, And our conservation department here in Missouri, it's uh, well-funded, so they do a lot of outreach and uh, protect a lot of great areas in the state. And in the St. Louis area, we have a few conservation areas that are really nice quality. And most of the retail nurseries, uh, the local retail nurseries in the St. Louis area, carry native plants now. And a lot of the suppliers of native plant material here in Missouri are actually sourcing the plants uh, from local native seed trying to get something that was already growing here in Missouri and then reproducing those plants and then using them here. They're going to have a better chance of survival, and they're going to have a better uh, chance of actually helping be food for local insects. I'm
1: just curious. So when you go to a nursery in St. Louis or in Missouri, when they're looking at their plants, are they labeled native plants?
2: The Missouri Prairie Foundation, which is a fantastic nonprofit organization here in Missouri that protects the state's last remaining remnant prairies, has this native plant outreach program called Grow Native. Grow Native provides a lot of native plant gardening and educational opportunities all across our region. Uh, And one very important thing that they do is make these incredibly detailed plant tags available for nurseries and growers to include in their native potted plants for sale. Each plant tag has a beautiful picture of what the plant looks like in bloom, uh, detailed information on site growing conditions, and tips on how it can be used in the home landscape sounds like there's so much more going on out there than there is in, let's say, New England. I I kind of feel like there is. I feel like the, the native plant movement in the Northeast and uh, kind of the East Coast, but I don't see much talk about, like, restoration work.
1: One more question about the Midwest and the native plants, the flora that is coming out of the Midwest. I mean, as we all know, I mean, even Europe can't get enough of the plants that are coming out of the Midwest. So give me an idea of why you think what it is about those plants that are so attractive and what took so long for people to discover them.
2: So the the prairies start basically here in Missouri and head west. And these plants have just evolved to be, they just, you know, they rise from the earth, have these beautiful flower heads, that are, you know, to try and attract pollinators. And so they've just evolved over the years to have showier and showier blooms and being able to be out in the full sun like that, they can attract a wide array of pollinators. Whereas, you know, in woodlands, there's not as many insects that would be able to be there, as many pollinators, because they need that heat from the sun to really be active. They really just shine. And I can see, you know, why, you know, Europe would be so jealous of this kind of setting Uh, You know, just the big open expanses. I'm really surprised it took so long for people to really take notice to them. From Europeans settling in North America, first on the East Coast and then heading West, they were used to the woodlands for so long. By the time a lot of the population moved farther out West, a lot of it had been destroyed and depleted by agriculture and other ways that we've destroyed so much of the prairie. So I think uh, it's just probably taken people a while to really take notice of those plants. But they really, truly are uh, magnificent and very important for wildlife. How do you see things for the next generation moving forward? I'm motivated by the fact that there are so many people in the St. Louis area that are interested in native plant material once they find out about it once they start learning about what's actually happening around them, uh, kind of an eye-opening, that really excites me and motivates me to keep doing more. There's lots of people volunteering. This is the Bring Conservation Home program. They will come into your yard and give you an assessment of you know, what you have currently in your yard. You know, if They'll help you out. These are just all volunteers and helping them with what kind of plants that they could choose for the yard. We have... A native plant swap group on Facebook here in St. Louis with 1,500 members now, where people are just going online and saying, you know, I have this many plants available, you know, because these native plants still reproduce and, you know, you'll be able to share with others. So the fact that there's that many people willing to share that kind of knowledge and time with the rest of the community is uh, just incredible. Just here recently, Right when Doug Calmy's new book came out, and Doug came, 700 people showed up to that, and it was you know sold-out event. The fact that not that many years ago, a native plant event would have only been attracting you know maybe 50, 70 people, 700 people came out over two days to come see Doug. That that excites me. I'm a pretty pessimistic person is the uh, funny thing, and people ask me a lot why I've gotten into this because it's a very, you know, optimistic job. And I guess really down deep inside me I am an optimist. I see that there's a lot of hope for the future for this next generation as long as the people who would be concerned about the environment get this information. A lot of people are still using, you know, just a lot of non-native plants in their yard and they don't necessarily know that they're doing you know, anything to harm the local ecology or uh, that they're not helping potentially the local ecology. And once they find out this information, uh, they typically are like, holy cow. And I'm no purist. Like I said, I was trained in traditional horticulture. I have hostas in my yard. I have a, a Chinese dogwood in my yard. But I really promote to people that there's a good sweet spot, Uh, for having enough native plant material to help wildlife in your yard and still have a lot of that, you know, those showier plants for eye candy for us. But make sure that the non-native plants that you're using are not invasive species. Simple thing that they could be doing to help the environment. And it's a a really meaningful thing. Once you get enough people to do it, Uh, you'll start seeing effects uh, here locally. You know, during this pandemic, uh, with everybody being stuck at home, And so many people wanting to go out to, you know, parks and things like that. I hope uh, it really helps since they've been away from nature more now, that it really helps people reconnect uh, with their parks or other public green spaces, any other piece of land that they are personally stewards of, whether it be their front or backyards or a neighborhood green space uh, where they can volunteer. So I hope they are, are able to, you know, get reconnected, just myself personally, that I'm, you know, motivated to really help out the, the following generations so that they really can still have what nature we have left, you know, by doing anything I can. You know, I, I just think that we're really at a turning point in human history right now. Uh, and if we want to really right the ship for the generations to follow, we need to act with urgency. Uh, people should feel alarmed when they see like these reports of record wildlife population losses, such as you know the bird declines that we uh, saw come out last year, where a quarter of the uh, bird populations that kind of across the board uh, have dropped since the 1970s. And we hear about these losses of uh, you know insect populations, you know, things like the monarchs, their populations losses. These are the kind of things making the news for people who would uh, call me an alarmist. I really hope they would reconsider in how they're really viewing the world because if now is not the time to be alarmed and to act, uh, then when is the time? What is the amount of biodiversity loss we're willing to accept before acting? So my question to everyone would be, when you're at the end of your time here on the planet, uh, will you be able to look back at what you've done with your time here and be proud of what you've accomplished?
0: I hope you enjoyed this edition of Nature Revisited and my conversation with James Fappel. If you enjoyed this edition, please share with family, friends, and colleagues. You can also subscribe to Nature Revisited on your podcast server. Nature Revisited is produced by Stefan Van Orden and Charles Gagan. If you would like to support Nature Revisited or share your thoughts and comments, please visit NordenProductions.com. That's Norden, N-O-O-R-D-E-N, Productions, And I hope you will join me for our next episode. And until then, remember, we are nature.